What is good, my friends, my frenemies, and the enemies? Welcome to another episode of the ENN podcast. You are now rocking with the best and the realest to boot. We are here with another episode of the Entertainment News Podcast, where we discuss the most interesting and pressing news items of the week gone by. And on this journey into the cinematic wasteland, where we have been exiled for hot takes, I am joined with two of my homies, my road warriors. Uh, These guys are superheroes coming at you from their secret layers. Hey, Christian. How are you doing? Doing all right. I'm, I'm hanging out here in my bunker, looking out very, at the wastelands nice. from my video screens. So. Cool. <laughs> and I hear that you've just gained a new superpower, um, and you're soon <laughs> going to be immune to this virus that's going around. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I got, my wife and I both got our first shots today, so I didn't, hopefully not gaining my immunity, immunity through getting sick. Uh, but, uh, man, I hope this starts expanding out to everybody because it's, uh, it's a good feeling. I mean, it's it's a classic hero's origin story. You get a virus, you get some toxic substance, you're bitten by something, and then you know you gain superpowers. So I'm I'm very happy for you, dude. My arm's starting to feel a little tingly. Be careful. So. Hey, there you go. <laughs> All right, and also joining us is uh, the the Kentucky Mafia, <laughs> Brandon. Kansas Mafia. Uh, K- Kansas Mafia. Yeah, okay. I mean, come on, man, Kentucky. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. You can, under- you can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we don't. We, we we don't. We don't want you know you encroaching on their turf. So yes, the yeah. Kansas, the Kansas Mafia, Smallville Mafia, Smallville Mafia. I love it. I love it. Um, so are you guys excited for this episode? It's been a while since we've recorded an actual ENN uh, podcast. Uh, I, I'm excited to talk to you guys about something. Uh, other than Snyder Cut, which we have a lot in store of. Don't worry, guys. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus is coming to the streaming wars. And this space is beginning to get crowded very quickly. At the ENM podcast, we pride ourselves in being so up-to-date and so knowledgeable about the streaming wars. And we are... You know, very proud that our audience can say the same. So this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to Paramount+. Plus. Luckily for us, one of us signed up for an entire year of Paramount+. Plus. So he's going to have more in-depth knowledge, more hands-on experience than uh, the rest of us or others who are just, you know, reading and disseminating information. So without further ado, let's get right into it. We're going to talk about... Uh, some vital specs, statistics, and particulars of the streamer, what it has to offer. We're going to talk about, you know, price and options and accessibility. We are also going to talk about what's on there. At the end of the day, it's about the nuts and the bolts. What's going on on this platform? Then we're going to talk about uh, the user interface, and we're going to talk about um, the user experience, which Brandon will lead us on. And then we're going to talk about, you know, what's coming soon. What can we look forward to on the horizon? So for those of us who have it now, is the churn going to be high? Are we going to drop it in the future? You know, if 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 it doesn't, you know, bring a lot of nice things in the future. Or for those who don't have it, what can we look forward to that might entice us or not? And then we're going to end uh, by, you know, just talking about 
what about it we may not love so much or what about it we do and then after that we're going to go to our coming soon section which we have every single week in our coming soon section we talk about the newest and hottest trailers and we just do like quick instant reactions it's going to be fun we actually have a bunch of trailers to talk about today so let's get into it let's start with paramount plus Paramount CEO Jim Giannopoulos headed off a presentation in uh, late February uh, about, you know, the new Paramount Plus streaming service. Paramount Plus is an amalgam of loosely affiliated streaming services under the Viacom CBS umbrella. It was formerly CBS All Access, but it's been rebranded and the law has been added to it. So now... What you will find under Paramount Plus is all the stuff that was under, you know, CBS, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Paramount's Movies, and Smithsonian, whatever the hell that is. It's kind of like a history channel slash discovery channel analog. Um, it was launched on the 4th of March, so it's been out for a couple of days. Um and you can choose from an ad-supported uh, version or an ad-free version. And those are reflect reflected in the prices. So let's just talk of an overview in terms of like brand recognition, what you see, what you heard, um, how do you guys feel about this and talk about this in context with the other streaming services that are out there. So let's start with Christian. I think what you just said at the end is what's so important is talking about it in context with the other streaming services. Cause like people forget that Paramount's been around a long time and now under Paramount's banner because of whatever mergers, acquisitions, stuff like that, there's a lot of different brands that fall under Paramount. So you compare this to whatever CBS all access was before. I, I don't even know what that was. I mean, I, I'm a huge star Trek fan. That was the only reason that I would have even remotely wanted to sign up for that service. And Paramount comes with something that's a lot different now because there's a lot more under its umbrella. And I think that's where there's this strange conversation that you, me, Brandon, and then Paul have all had this talk about like, what's the max? Like, what can families, is it four services? Is it three? Is it five? What's that magic number before a, a family turns around and says, that's it, I'm done. I'm, I'm not signing up for any more. And the space is starting to become very crowded. So is it money that's going to dictate that? Is it pure content that dictates that? Family versus adult entertainment, the combination of that. There's so many of these factors. And Paramount is in this very crowded space, you know, because we talk about HBO and what they bring to the table. Netflix is the king. They're, you know, they're pretty much untouchable. Disney is pretty much synonymous with family and as well as franchises like Star Wars and Marvel. So it's, I think it's going to be tough for them to carve it out, but they have a shot, especially because, and then I'll throw it to Brandon, their pricing structure, I think is right. You know, if you're looking at, what is it? Six bucks a month with advertising, 10 bucks a month without, that's not bad. That's, that's pretty good pricing structure. If you're looking at 15 bucks a month, people are going to be looking for something I think a little bit different from you. Um, and then of course there, we can talk about this later in the pod episode. They're also talking about putting some movies for, I think 30 days or 45 days uh, in addition to having them in theaters, you'll have a couple of movies that'll be on Paramount plus as well. So I think they're in an interesting place, but anybody that releases from here on out, 
this is a challenge. The streaming wars are upon us. And I, I think it's going to be tough for companies to really carve out their space. And Paramount's definitely one of those because I don't necessarily think big brands when I think Paramount outside of a few, like I mentioned, like Star Trek and a few others. Yeah, I think uh, your 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 context and the questions you brought up are really, really important. Um, so for someone who has the streaming service, Brandon, what attracted you, attracted you to it? Uh, which streaming services do you have on hand and where does Paramount Plus, you know, fit into the equation? Uh, so, I mean, it, it, what attracted me was actually, oddly enough, was the Super Bowl commercials. When, when Beavis and Butthead started popping <laughs> up on there, I instantly knew that they were bringing it back and that I, that I was going to need to have Paramount Plus. Um, so then they elaborated on it at the big event saying a new movie was coming and a new show. I love Beavis and Butthead. I don't care. It's, it's stupid. It's so funny. Um, that is hilarious. That's, that but is, I don't get Beavis and Butthead. I just don't. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, um, but ultimately I, I, I didn't really think I was going to sign up for it until, what I wanted to see came to fruition, but then they announced the the deal that expired the night before it launched, which was it was ninety nine dollars if you did the the year up front, and then it was fifty percent off. So for the first year, I paid fifty bucks. I paid less than a dollar a week uh, for all of Paramount Plus, and that has CBS Live Sports. Uh, there's live TV stations. Football games will be on there. So I could can't. I mean, you don't need cable for some of that stuff. You can, I mean, you could stream right from there. But then I started going through, and some of the old shows that they have that I grew up watching: Legend of the Hidden Temple, uh, Rugrats, Ah, Real Monsters, Doug. Uh, just you know, shows that I I've loved as a kid that I kind of want to go back and watch some of uh, is all on there, and it just it started making sense, and then because of the lead that HBO Max took with releasing films on there right away, Paramount Plus decided within 45 days, movies are going to start hitting streaming as a perk. It's not going to be like Disney where you got to pay another 30 bucks on top of it. You just get it. So for that reason, it just, it's a great deal. Even at nine ninety nine a month, mm -hmm. it's worth that for yeah. just to have the theatrical releases coming. And that puts Netflix in a huge bind, which Netflix is the one I cancel um, and oh. only come back to every few months when there's mm -hmm. something I really want to watch. Because they're back up to 20 bucks now, and they've cut the bit rate, so their quality keeps on going down and down. Wow. Uh, so it's not worth the, the price of admission right. anymore unless I have two or three series mm. stacked so, up to watch. So apart from Netflix, which you don't have now, what else do you have? So you have Paramount Plus. I think you have HBO Max. What else do you I have, have? I have HBO Max, uh, Paramount Plus I have for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's the only the only two paid subscription services mm -hmm. I have at the moment. Everything else I rotate. So one month I'll, I'll have a Hulu. One month I'll get Disney. One month mm -hmm. I'll get Netflix. Okay. And it's just based on what's on there. So I have my – when The Boys comes out, I'll get it at Amazon Prime. Uh, when – uh, Stranger Things comes out or Army of the Dead in, in mm -hmm. May, I'm absolutely going to be on the Netflix train and then I can All just right. use that month to binge everything. That's so smart. that just keeps my price down. 
Okay. Um, so for me, I am living in the UK currently. Um, so I do not have uh, Paramount Plus. If I did have access to it, would I get it? Not particularly, although it's a very, very good um, price. The value proposition is still not there for me. It's I, I guess I might if I had known about the deal before. I could have just, just gotten it just to get it. But there aren't a lot of things on there that I'm that are really my taste and really things that I'd seek out. The only things are obviously sports. Um we're gonna, you know, go deeper into the things that they have. Um but just on 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 the surface, it looks like they have a lot of things, and we'll get into that. Um, but they're not like must see, marquee like, you, like you know, it just doesn't have that marquee flavor to it for me. Um, what I'm currently doing now with all my services <clears throat> is that my amongst like my family and my friends, everybody basically like pays for one thing. And then we sort of split it between each other. So, for example, I'm paying for uh, Prime. My sister's paying for Netflix. My brother is paying for uh, HBO Max, that sort of thing. Then, you know, um, someone else is paying for Apple Plus. And then we all just, you know, share our passwords. And then, you know, we all have, like, everything across, you know. So I think that in terms of for context, what people are going to be doing with with all the streaming services is that families will just split the costs amongst each other and people will get to the point where it's households or clusters who have, you know, all the streaming services. And I think that way the services will be able to survive and will be able to be players in the game, because if it was up to individuals to have entire uh, packages, I can see a situation where only the heavy hitters will have uh, a bulk of customers. Then the ones kind of like at the bottom will have almost nothing and they may be forced to either pack up or change their model to something that's not as good. As for Netflix, I wanted to touch on that. Um, I am getting more and more disillusioned with Netflix. Um, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like Netflix is following what I would compare to a fast fashion model. If anybody's familiar with what fast fashion is, Netflix is basically that. It's a very, very high rate of output, but the quality, most of the quality is not good. There is great quality on there, I wouldn't lie, um, but it's few and far between. And when I'm scrolling through their library, I... It, I don't feel good about the content I'm seeing on there. And it makes me want to quickly jump to something else. But um, you know what, Lupe, I'll say the, the quick side note to that. And you're 100% right. You have HBO, Disney, which now owns Fox, right? And, mm -hmm. and they have Hulu. And then now Paramount. All of these, and Universal's got Peacock, right? So like all of these companies are creating their own direct-to-consumer. So they're pulling all their licensing away from Netflix too. So mm -hmm. all this stuff's disappearing. So Absolutely. like you said, they're just cranking stuff out, but they're not getting anything. I mean, they're still licensing in place for a couple of years, but that stuff's going to end over the next yes, couple it, of years. It will. It will. It will. I will discuss this more in other uh, 
ENN episodes, um, Netflix. I'm really curious to see what the future is going to hold hold for them. Right now, they have the advantage of the first mover, but as Brandon said, their price is basically the the among like the highest, the highest right now because internationally, like we don't have you know HBO Max, but um, their price is the highest, and I'll be sincere and say like their output in terms of quality, I don't think it's the best. But, you know, that's subjective, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, side note is most carriers in the United States, as far as cell phone, almost every carrier is giving away a different streaming service to subscribe. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. AT&T gives away HBO, HBO Max. Netflix is T-Mobile. Verizon gives away Disney+. Plus. Wow. Um, so everybody is kind of giving away something for free. So, you know, almost anybody yep. that wants to add a service – Check with your phone carrier because they yep. might just be throwing it in. I'm a single person. I'm no on nobody's phone plan, so apparently T-Mobile thinks I shouldn't be watching Netflix. <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't care about Netflix and chilling by yourself. <laughs> so I don't get that. It's a but... thing, Netflix. It's a thing. It's yeah. A thing. All right. So uh, let's just talk touch slightly on price since we 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 hinted at that, but we didn't go deep. So. There are two tiers. There's a ad free, which is more expensive, and then there's an ad inclusive, which is cheaper. The ad free is ten dollars a month. The ad inclusive is for the low low of six dollars. Um, what do you guys feel of those price points? Um, and also relate that obviously to the context of competition. Now let's start with Brandon, since Brandon has has the service. I, I think it's it's really well priced. I hate commercials, so the four dollars extra a month I think is worth not having commercials every few minutes. Um, so I mean, six bucks is is good for people who just don't mind watching commercials. I do. I have YouTube Premium, and I couldn't imagine going back and watching the same commercial every three minutes over and over and over. Um, but ten bucks a month, I, I think, is is fair. Especially you're you're right in the middle realm. You're much cheaper than Netflix, a yeah. little bit cheaper than HBO, and only a little bit more than Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. um, but Disney Plus has already shown that they're going to start raising their prices yep. as their yep. content starts growing. Yep. Um, I, I and that was all. I always assumed, and I told people, there's no way they're they're staying at five ninety nine a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that's not Disney. It's not. <laughs> it's, so, it, it's a it's a classic bait and switch, guys. You got You got to stay up on it. No, but it was very smart. Realm. Yeah, you just got to stay in the realm where if you don't want people canceling your services, you need to stay at the right price. And yeah. around that ten buck price, give or take two dollars, mm -hmm. I think is fair enough. Where nobody's going to worry about canceling your service. Mm -hmm. But at twenty bucks a month. And there's nothing to watch this month. I'm just going to go ahead and cancel Netflix. Cancel it, yep. I, I uh, think. So yeah, that's that's just kind of where I sit on that. I think Paramount Plus is well priced. It's well priced. All right. Um, go ahead, Christian, and then I'll I'll, I'll follow you up with uh, my contents. What first thing you don't have the service, so you haven't no. even told us why you don't have it. Now, in light of the price options that are that are going on, what's the because that six dollar entry point? That's the cheapest you know, fully fledged streaming service out there. So what's what's holding you back? You know those pictures where you see the meme where um 
men of the 21st century what's the hero looking like <laughs> it's basically the same thing what's stopping you from having paramount plus in your catalog of streamers and i, and I think brandon brought up a lot of good points and and you're you're in that you're probably in that price range where because i got the, i got the middle range I, I don't have the 4k netflix i have the just the hd the 1080 um so i think that's 13 a month i want to say and if that range suddenly started pushing to 20 I, I would definitely think I'm not going to keep it at that point. So you, you're right. I think there, you're in that 10 to $20 a month range where you're probably in a sweet spot. And I think Paramount and Disney did it right by having people pay ahead of time. So you pay for the whole year. So you don't have to worry about this monthly fee. You're just like, oh, I locked it in for a whole year. You know, HBO Max, Netflix, whatever. You're, you're going month to month. If it starts going up, you could say, I'll cancel a month. Hey, if you, if you lock me in for an entire year or whatever, I'm more apt to buy it for that lower price. And if I hate it after the first year, then I'll, I'll stop. But to answer your question, two things. Um, there's nothing there right now that I was like, I need it. I need it immediately. I want this in my life right now. There is a huge bunch of nostalgia in there. And there's a lot of legacy programming, but I'm still going through legacy programming from HBO Max, Disney, as well as Hulu and a bunch of other places. So it's like, I'm not ready to go down that legacy path just yet with Paramount. And I think I've hit my limit with the number of stream. When I signed up for HBO Max, I was like, I think I'm done. There's just there's too many streaming services, um, and I'm I think I've I've hit my personal limit. So I think everybody has that. Now that that might change. That might change in like two months. You we all might have a conversation or Brandon reviews something on Paramount and he's like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing ever. Now my com the conversation might change and I'm like, all right, now I think I might want to sign up for this one. But I just think personally, I probably hit my limit. And if Netflix pisses me off and they get canceled, Paramount Plus <laughs> is probably the one that I'll go to. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, I think there's a running theme, an undercurrent, if you will, <laughs> of a little bit of dissolution or dis dissatisfaction with Netflix. A bit. And, yeah, we might yeah. we might have to we might have to needle on that in another episode of ENN. Let's see if we can come to a consensus of how we're going to tackle that subject. Be looking forward to something something about that in the future. If you listen to this podcast, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the comments section. Let us know how you're feeling about Netflix. Are you having those same feel-good feelings about Netflix that you always did? Do you think, like, what the hell are these guys talking about? Netflix is still, like, you know, the most amazing streaming service ever. Or is there a, a little bit of that, whether it's disillusionment or dissatisfaction, or maybe just a little bit of boredom, maybe the novelty is worn up. Let us know, and we'll look into it, and we'll discuss it on a later date. In terms of price for me, um, what strikes me here is thinking about it more from uh, an academic or strategic point and thinking about how these streaming services are looking at the competition, looking at the track record, looking at what has worked, what hasn't worked, and then building upon that. So Disney Plus is definitely using a strategy that's called Lost Leader. And so basically what they're doing is as Netflix increases, they will increase, but they will never be as expensive as as Netflix. It's a very smart strategy. Um, they're happy with, you know, being just a step below. Quote unquote, you think about it, oh, you're not making as much money as as Netflix. But the benefit of that strategy is that even though you're quite expensive, you are not as expensive as the most expensive. So people will look at yours if they're a bit price sensitive as a better option. Um, that is where HBO Max 
ran into problems and where Disney Plus just blew the 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 doors off, you know, the market was the way they came in with such a low price. And that's able to get them their base. And then obviously we see what they're doing. They're adding quality content, but the price is going up. Um, so this is a very good strategy for Paramount Plus. Um, I think that they're going to be able to keep this up for a while because they have a lot of uh, revenue streams still coming from, you know, our legacy, you know, broadcasts um, services. So it's not like they only have their eggs in, in one basket. So they're still going to be able to get revenue and keep themselves afloat as they continue on this journey of giving a low price. And then with the ad included, that's also going to give them revenue. I think that they're being very smart about it. But still, I don't think that the content is there to, to draw people irresistibly to the service. But I think in terms of pricing, they're doing a lot better than what HBO Max did. As for Netflix, as we know, advantage of the first mover, they don't have anything to worry about until there's going to be a ceiling where it starts to get out of hand. Okay, so that's that for, for pricing, which is really cool. Um, you know, good on Brandon for getting in at that ridiculously low price with 50% off and paying only like a dollar a week. It's actually less than a dollar a week when we, when we, actually calculated it uh, for a year. Um, if they could extend that for a while, I think that people, if they heard about it, would take advantage of that because it's something that I would have done just to do it. Okay, so now let's talk about what's actually on there, which we've alluded to. Um, Paramount Plus boasts a ton of content. We're talking over 2,500 movies. We're talking over 30,000 episodes of television. We're talking about 36 wholly original series coming this year. Um, they have a bunch of stuff. If you love Star Trek, that's one of their big IPs. If you love stuff like Mission Impossible, you know, that's going to be on there. Then I think where they're, they're so ahead of the game and some of that I've been looking at, you know, a company like Time Warner, like, why the hell aren't you on this? Is they're going to have a bunch of live sports. So we're talking about like, soccer like you know champions league premier league la liga um the you know, spanish Serie A. we're talking about the masters we're talking about uh all your your tennis opens we're talking about um even nfl like that's going to be on the service and to me that's such a huge usp also when you look at the things that are under their umbrella. So we're talking about CBS, okay? That's general, okay? But then when we're talking about stuff like MTV, we're talking about BET, we're talking about Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, where they're capturing these niche markets that have a strong nostalgic factor and cult followings. Um, so for example, like with BET, people really underestimate the cultural significance of BET to Black people all over the world and African Americans in particular. People underestimate the uh, nostalgic factor and the cultural Im imprint of the MTV generation. I grew up in a generation where MTV was still playing, you know, music videos and we had TRL and, you know, the real world. And then obviously Comedy Central. That's a very recognizable brand where you talk about comedy. Nickelodeon has a bunch of stuff for kids, including, you know, um, Avatar, Rugrats, all that kind of stuff. So there's actually like a lot of, of um, 
as I said, nostalgic factor and, and, and cultural imprint that they can tap into that I think a lot of people are underestimating. So in terms of the of the content, guys, how do you think that they stack up? Where do you think that, you know, they can lean into and where do you think that um, they're whole, so to speak? Uh, let's start with Brandon, who has a service and, uh, you know, give us the whole spiel and contextualize it for us. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, content is going to be the, the big issue. Um, Netflix has, they put out a ton of content, but very rarely does much of it stick. Um, but they draw in a lot of big name directors. They have the best of the best. They've gotten Scorsese. They've gotten, uh, obviously, Fincher is their golden boy. Uh, so they put out prestige movies, and now their movies are getting picked up by Criterion. So they've got the quality there. It's just surrounded by a bunch of stuff that you may or may not like. Um, HBO Max, to me right now, is probably the prestige because they have HBO. Um, so you're getting Chernobyl. You're going to be getting the Last of Us series. You've got Raised by Wolves. You've got uh, Lovecraft Country. They've got a lot of really, really great stuff backed up by the name of HBO. They just have to prove their own with their own series now, and it's slow. They're not bringing much out. Um, but, I mean, Disney's going all in on the comic book phase and the Star Wars phase. That might get old re really quick, though. So Paramount's they – have, they have a good way to bring in a lot of kids' content with Nickelodeon. Um, but I think they have a, a very – realistic they, could, they have mission impossible they've got i mean cloverfield they've got all of star trek and i haven't watched any of the new star trek shows but for some reason they don't want to make any movies um mm. so there's something kind of missing there but as but of right now too that's that's you know that's that's a, that's it i think that that's one of those ips that we all know there's potential there it just needs someone to crack the code, so to speak. Well, I mean, financially, they were making money with with the the Kelvin timeline movies, mm -hmm. but just kind of just stopped. The last one went down a little bit, but not enough to where they said, "You know what? We're going to put this on the back burner for a decade." Well, the uh, reason why is, although I'm not part of this fandom, but just being observant is that the Star Trek fandom they're very um, they're very particular. Oh yeah, you That's, can say it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's like, it. like Star Wars fandom is toxic, but Star Trek fandom they're very particular. Let's say really they, they want man. their Star Trek to be a particular type of way. They're in not terms flexible. Of, yeah, they're they're very inflexible. They're very picky, and they do not want to hear. And it's it's there's this people who are new to to this world of fandom would not understand that there once was actually like a very vibrant Star Trek versus Star Wars rivalry. Um, and Star Trek was always, you know, like the intellectual, more adult, you know. It's more discovery. It's more exploration. Exactly. Star Wars was more action and sci-fi. Exactly. More poppy, more, you know, family friendly, just lighthearted. So, JT you know, Star Wars has the has the advantage of being like oh we're bigger we're stronger you know we have more numbers we 
And for Star Trek always had this sort of like intellectual high ground where oh, we are more sophisticated, we are more intelligent, you know, there's more depth. Um, and we've, we've entered a world of blockbusters. We have big IPs, they're expected to be massive billion dollar churning blockbusters. It's part of what we've talked about, about the Disneyfication of, of, of Hollywood. And so that's a reason, that's the reason for, you know, what, well, I know you know, J.J. Abrams kind of turned Star Trek into Star Wars. Yeah. I, I didn't that's love Star Trek hired. growing up. It was a bit boring. I loved the new movies. Yeah, no, loved. I did. I'm not Trekkie. Um, but you, you, I guess you have the opportunity now with theatrical and with, with streaming. You can do both. You can make one that's, that's process driven and, and science, uh, you know, the, the science and the discovery of it all. And then you can have one that's more action packed that gets into the, the down and dirty with the, the people that have to, to die or sacrifice themselves for the scientists. I, I they're doing a little, they're trying a little bit of that, right? Because one yeah. thing with streaming, that's an advantage in general is that you're able to take more risks. You know, your entire, you know, service is not going to collapse because you didn't, you know, hit one series out the park. Yeah, so you, you can, you know, still got 10 million subscribers. Exactly. So who watch yeah. something else. So you can spread your tentacles in different places and, you know, see what, you know, gets you that goal. So I think, you know, I think, Brandon, they should put you in charge of Star Trek. You seem to have bright ideas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, let's start getting people that are, are big artists. Uh, they, they have Taylor Sheridan mm -hmm. coming on right now who's very prestige in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, Wind River was fantastic. Sicario is one of the most intense movies you'll ever watch. Hell or High Water. Uh, Hell or High Water was great. So he's he's absolutely all-star material to have. Do you know uh, who else seems to be someone that they're, they're sort of bringing to their fold? Guy Ritchie. Yeah. I mean, and they that's always an option. Um, Guy Ritchie needs to be able to flex his muscles as him. He doesn't need to be making any more Aladdin movies. Uh, <laughs> Please, no. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just let these people breathe and let the, bring in fandoms to you. Mm -hmm. You know, as we've seen with HBO Max and with, uh, with Zack Snyder, man, you're, his, that person's fan uh, fandom will follow you and be loyal um, mm -hmm. if you treat him right. And Guy Ritchie has a, a particular style. So, mm -hmm. absolutely, if you can get him on board, that's huge. Steal mm -hmm. anybody you can from Apple TV because nobody wants to fucking watch Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it's free. It's and everybody's free. like, well, not for me because I don't buy Apple products, so I don't get Apple TV. <laughs> I'm uh, stuck with you too. But, but that's it's just let your creators create mm -hmm. and let the let the fandoms come to you. I, I mean, if they said mm -hmm. Guy Ritchie's got a new show coming, The Gentleman coming to, to Paramount Plus. Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Actually, a, uh, a gentleman, a gentleman series is coming to Paramount Plus. Is it Paramount Plus? Because that was a U, uh, Universal movie, was it not? Yes, it was. But I think the distribution. I might be wrong. But okay, like, yeah. we'll, we'll 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 get we'll get back to you guys on that. But um, the last but thing I, I needed on is Peacock. Uh, if, yes, so it might be Peacock, which will be unfortunate. So, but, uh, um, but yeah, other than that, it's just content wise you, you've got to prove it you've got a, enough stuff right now to make it worth the low price i paid but you've got to start proving yourself with prestige don't flood the market with meh 
put, start, start out on the right foot and put stuff out there that gets people talking and then put it out consistently. Um, and then people will, will want to pay for your service and, and not cancel. That's the thing that streaming is, is they mm-hmm. want customers that don't cancel like me. That's why, that's why they, they, they offer these packages with you know long subscriptions a year yep. six months eight months that sort of thing um so that that's very that's you know the next battle for them so just to just you know wrap up in one sentence how would you rank the streaming services in terms of the content that they have at this moment uh hbo is going to be first um okay. probably I'd say Netflix and Disney Plus probably tied for second um, because they both got really good stuff, but I just I don't want to stay subscribed for everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Apple TV is probably down there at the bottom because uh, I don't because <laughs> I don't want it. And there's nothing <laughs> I really want to watch. Uh, I, I, and I'm I'm missing one all of a sudden. Uh, Amazon Prime is is good a couple of times a year. I know Handmaid uh, Handmaid still is is Hulu. It's Hulu. Um, Hulu's pretty good, um, but they still don't offer 4K yet, and I just and, I think they that don't they offer just offer a lot. That's, yeah, that's it, the problem with Hulu. Like, they Hulu need to just has... combine Hulu and Disney Plus. They, yeah. they, it just needs to be one and raise the price to 9.99 a month or 12.99 a month, and just say I you agree. get. It's going to happen. Disney in the future. Plus, Hulu. It just makes sense, but they've they've started picking up. Uh, uh, another show from the Rick and Morty guys called Solar Opposites, and that's good. Had Maiden's Tale, I know, is great. Amazon has The Boys. So I'm going to put like Hulu and Amazon probably tied for third. Okay. Um, and Paramount Plus, is I, I just got it. So I'm, it, it's, it's probably going to go fourth for right now just because there's no new content um, enough on there to say that it's great yet. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and uh, Christian. Give us your your rankings. Hmm. You know, it's weird. I I I think they're probably similar to to what Brandon was saying. I think right now it's even though we I've been shitting on Netflix for for the last half hour, it's probably Netflix Disney Plus tied for mm-hmm. one. Uh, with and I would not have said this a few months back. HBO Max probably mm-hmm. too, and you know that because you and I have talked about this. I, mm-hmm. I would have put HBO Max behind all that. Yeah, but I'd have HBO Max now. got saved. Got saved by doing the the hybrid release strategy. That that gave him a big boost in terms of the value proposition, and then um, and then they're slowly bit by bit ramping up um, originals. But yes, you're right. You know, and I finally saw. I think it's a combination. Like I've seen two of their, not two. I'm sorry, I've seen a few of their originals now. And you, when you combine that with their incredible legacy mm. library. Mm. It's it's so easy. Like their their value proposition to me has just skyrocketed over the mm-hmm. last couple of months. Hulu I'd put after them, and I'd probably put Hulu on the same level as Amazon Prime. Hulu is great mm-hmm. for just mm-hmm. just legacy content, just legacy mm-hmm. TV shows. Like my wife loves Modern Family, and she can catch catch any of Modern Family at any time and crack up, and I can watch Sofia Vergara, and that makes me happy. So yeah, that's you know like that that's probably it. And then I can't really comment on Apple. Or, or Paramount, yeah, because I don't have them. So I can't really comment on those yet. But that's probably where I would rank them right now. And I think some of that, too, like, and then I'll, you know, like some of that I think comes to, like, what you watch, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I 
I like Star Wars and Marvel, so mm-hmm. like Disney mm-hmm. Plus is high for me. I Absolutely. like them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you don't like that stuff, then you're going to be like, you know, it's mm-hmm. not. And like, if if I didn't like that stuff, and because my wife and I don't have children, it probably wouldn't be nearly as high. Mm-hmm. For me, you Agreed. know, because yeah, Agreed. I think that's the reason that I have them ranked as high as I do. Okay. Well, for for me, I place a premium on your new content. Um, I just do. I'm not a person who really likes to rewatch things. It's very rare. I do from time to time. If they're like amazing stuff, for example, my favorite movies, my favorite Zack Snyder movies, my favorite film noirs, my favorite um, series, I will watch them again from time to time. So it's not like that's a no-go. But my premium is on new things. I want to experience new things. And as the market has shown, the streaming services that offer the best new content get the best new subscribers. So for example, Disney Plus, a lot of nostalgic factor to their content, but it was Mandalorian that really got them going. And they've ridden the wave of amazing new content right in, you know, WandaVision. And then they're going to be coming up with like the announced like an obscene, perverted (laughs) amount of new stuff. Got to give them credit because they know the game and they play it. So for me, Netflix should have been high up there. A couple years ago, I'd have said Netflix was number one, but the game has changed and the quality of the material that's coming out from streamers has elevated. And I don't think Netflix has followed as well or has led the charge as well. And that's one of the benefits of competition, right? Mm -hmm. When you open the floodgates for competition, you know, the people who are not at the top put try to you know outdo the people at the front and the people at the front have to be like oh they're snipping our, our heels let's step up our game so i think it's going to be best for all of us but i'll say like for me number one right now i don't have hbo max but i would rank hbo max number one because of the quality of content that will be coming out not just now but probably like in the future i don't you know what this is very i never really thought of this i'd say for me this is this is very difficult actually i'd say netflix number one you know what i think it's still hard to knock them off the top yeah it's It's... very shaky it's very shaky but netflix number one then i will say because i'm not a disney kid i will say hbo max and disney plus at the same level i watched mandalorian and i was blown away with the quality i'm not i i wasn't just impressed my jaw hit the floor with the quality of that series um so you just got to give disney plus credit for even if their content is not your favorite you know stuff the quality is there and it seems like in the future they're bringing out a lot more gotta give them credit but i'll say hbo max because their library is deeper than disney plus Meanwhile, Disney Plus new content is better than HBO Max. So you see that balance? Mm-hmm. That makes it equal. Then yeah. obviously with, with the Snyder Cut coming out, that's also big. They're ramping up their originals. You have the day and date movie releases coming to HBO Max. That to me, it seems like, to me, that's the holy trinity of streaming services. Then you got Amazon Prime. As Brandon said, 
there from time from time to time they'll bring out something that you're like oh right i, I really right. want to see that um and if you go on their service and you're bored you you might find something really cool and discover something cool to watch but they're not always in it like that um low-key apple tv is amazing mm. low-key do not sleep on apple tv when i talk about how my jaw hit the floor watching the mandalorian every apple tv series original is like that every single one is at that level of quality um the ips just obviously aren't as strong mm-hmm. um but obviously they don't have a lot of content whether you're talking legacy or stuff coming up they they sporadically have things but they're going to you know continue increasing their library then i'd say paramount plus they don't yet have a track record um but i think that for some families it's going to be big but it's going to depend on what they bring out in the future and we're going to talk more about that so i think that you know go ahead and i apologize for interrupting you i think the one thing that we also haven't um that we haven't talked too much about we're going to talk about the stuff like the future stuff coming soon but one thing that's really interesting streaming services all of them have not figured out sports yet and mm. it's really key that paramount is has live sports attached to it because like like okay i like an nfl team that's out of market so my favorite team is the rams i live in new york they are not a new york team so i would prefer to get nfl red zone that's how i want to watch the rams mm. but you know, baseball, you guys were talking about soccer, everything else that for a lot of sports fans, that's one of the biggest reasons they don't cut the cable is sports. Very true. If you can figure out streaming sports, man, they cutting the cable will become much more commonplace than it already is. What did you want to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. You know, I never put two and two together for that. But when I was living back home, that was the only reason why I didn't cut cable. I mean, I've been, I've, 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 you know, I've lived out of the U.S. for for quite a bit now, but back in the day, I was one of the first you know, early adopters of you know streaming services and you know internet, and I just, you know, I just love being on the cutting edge of technology. And for me, broadcast TV just there wasn't really anything on there for me apart from sports. Yeah, my SPNs, my you know TNT for basketballs, you know my. NBCs for you know or my 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 Monday night football Sunday night football <laughs> all that stuff. Obviously, you're not getting that on on Netflix or Hulu, whatever else you have. So that was like that was the only thing that kept me tethered. Um, so once that's figured out, yeah, people will be very happy to cut uh, to cut broadband and uh, no broadband broadcast. I do want to throw one thing out. I, I do have to drop Disney down one notch uh, because of their censorship practices, uh, mm. changing old movies, adding CGI hair to bare butts, covering <laughs> and blowing up cleavage. I It's just it's silly at this point that, that they even think that that's necessary. Um, and it's such small things that I, I've got to dock them big time because to me that's just censorship. Uh, and see, like I, I like better that – what was the show that – that they decided to air as is, but they had a warning in front of it that said, hey, we're just letting you know this shit came out in a time when people were idiots. Was, Gone, was HBO Max with, uh, HBO with the win. No, Disney just did it too. I can't remember. It was for a cartoon, actually. 
Disney just did it. It was for a cartoon, and I can't remember which one it was. Um, if they continue to do that, I'm fine. But or offer, go ahead. Offer two versions. Click play. You can and do we'll that say too. a family friendly yeah. version, or as originally aired, which include includes maybe a bare butt. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like, I or like something that. like that. No adult yeah. content, but something that some parents might not want their kids to see. Mm-hmm. Yet. Offer both. Uh, Netflix did do it with uh, the first season of 13 Reasons Why. They altered oh, the, right. the right. season finale because people were upset by it and that you were supposed to. But they didn't give you an option when you press play to watch a clean version or the very disturbing version. They said, fuck it, we'll just take that off. And the, the uh, initial impact to me is gone. So I ended up buying the DVD of it because I wanted the original because I think that that was important to see. Um, as brutal and as painful as it is, I hated that so, they that they so, censored it. Let, let's let's. I, I think that this is a very good topic for us to dive more into on another day because it's a very hot button issue. Mm-hmm. This is a type of topic that we are not afraid to talk about on the film Exiles because we've already been exiled. So, <laughs> I mean, go ahead and cancel us. Um, just a, a show of hands. Who is with um, changing? Like historically, like offensive, or I don't even think offensive is the right word to use because I think it minimizes it a little bit. But let's say controversial, controversial, disparaging, harmful, stereotypical uh, form uh, aspects of media, and who's with just leave it as it is, who's with just a compromise. So let's start with um, leave it as it is, but have a label on it. Who who thinks that's okay? I I am okay with that. I'm I good with that. that way. A context label is the best way. Context yeah, label. Yeah, I, I I say leave it. Don't touch art that was created a certain way, but okay. you might have to put some context in front of it, especially. All right. So yeah. For, yeah. for me, I'm number two on that. That's number two for me. All right. So who's for? Don't touch it. Period. Just leave it alone. No label. No nothing. <laughs> I don't. I, uh, I, for me, for me, just just leave it. But mm-hmm. a lot of parents don't pre-screen or or look at what their their kids are watching. Mm-hmm. So I I think a, a label beforehand is important. So for you, this um, is right like there on the two. main page. Yeah. So this would be like number two option. Like you'd prefer a label, but I, I don't. I just don't think that there's a black and white answer. I think that that it could. It can be both ways. Um, I think a label is probably my preferred way. Your, your preferred. Okay. Now, the third option is, like, don't show the episodes or or re, re, re-edit it or, you know, do something to remove the, the content. Show of hands, I'll start. That's actually my number one option. Obviously, it's a black and white way of saying it because it's a case-by-case basis. But for me... That's my number one. And I know some people will cancel me for that. Be like, oh, he's too woke. SJW. Fuck you. I'm already canceled. Ain't shit you do to me, okay? Um, but that, that that actually is my number one option. Um, but we'll go into another day. Just, just a show of hands. So is this your number two amongst the three options or your least favorite or... Go, go. No, no judgment. You've been exiled. I would, I would definitely say my number one would be show it with context. Number mm-hmm. two would be just show it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, don't, don't show it. That's sure. that's that would be yeah. That's how I would okay. say it. Uh, yeah, same way. Show it with context is my first option. 
just show it as its own. And I, I don't even think three is an option. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we promise you, our audience, that we'll go, we'll go into into it. There is no judgment when it comes to this topic. Um, luckily for us, one of the cool things about talking about shit like this is like none of like we don't really give a shit because like these are not like our favorite series or our favorite shows or anything. <laughs> it's not like it's like oh my god, like the Matrix or it's like. Star Wars or something like we're talking about, you know. So I'm saying that in a cheat in a cheeky way, it's very easy for me to be like, I don't give a fuck. Just like you know, cut it. I don't even watch that shit. So obviously, but for people who maybe like grew up on it and you know, um, it's their thing, the sentiment might be a little different. And also, you know, the argument that people always use of the slippery slope argument, which I always roll my eyes out at, there is there. There, there is some context to that. So we will definitely dive deeper into this. I think it's a very, very interesting topic. Um, one that's very well suited for our uh, brand that's not shy of talking about controversial subjects. So we're going to circle back to this. Guys, look forward to that conversation coming from your film, Exiles. All right. So going on to our next topic, we've talked about the content that's on Paramount Plus and how it ranks. Unfortunately for, this, for, the, for the service, it doesn't rank very highly on our lists, but I don't think any of us were like, oh, it's absolutely trash and it's the worst. We, we do think that they're, they're very cool things that it has at the moment. Now, let's talk about some of the things that it has coming in the future. And let's talk about if we're excited about them um, and what uh, we would like to see if we're not excited about them, stuff like that. So, I mean, there wasn't too much that was announced, but the big sort of heavy hitters were that uh writer director producer you know world builder extraordinaire <laughs> taylor sheridan's <laughs> yellowstone universe and spin-offs are coming to the platform so you're going to have uh something called y 1883 and obviously it's going to be set in the year you guessed it right 1883 and it's going to be about how the uh the i can't what the ranch owners names are but um, how they came to own the Yellowstone Ranch. Um, then there's going to be Mayor of Kingstown, which is a spinoff. And I think this one's going to be about um, about oil, something like Texas and oil barons and families, you know, powerful families who own oil. And also it's going to have a little bit to do with uh, private prisons. So that's going to be interesting to see, especially coming from Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. It's going to be interesting to see how he how he handles that. Um, then there's going to be a spinoff called Quadruple Six. I'm not sure what that's about, honestly, but it's also like in the Yellowstone realm of things. Then there's another one also called Landman. Then I think a very big one that's coming to him, and it's one that you know I'm excited about. I one that I it just sounded so much like it should be on HBO is Halo. The yeah. Halo TV series, which was supposed to appear on Showtime, has been moved to be exclusive on Paramount Plus because obviously, as we've seen with HBO Max and we're seeing with Paramount Plus, when these big tech companies like Viacom or AT&T buy these entertainment studios, the streaming service is the it's, it's the jewel of of the entire entire uh, portfolio. So Halo has been bumped 
from uh, Showtime, which is broad a broadcast service, to the streamer Paramount Plus. So, what do you guys think about uh, Taylor Sheridan's Yellowstone Universe? Are you familiar with it? Are you looking forward to it? Um, and then, what do you think of Halo? Do you think that these things will be enough to bring you on there? And also, there's going to be a new Avatar, uh, the Last Airbender. Um, I think it's a movie that's coming out, like an animated film. So, what do you guys think of those those offerings? Is that enough? There's also going to be an MTV Real World uh, revival. Just to, just to throw that in. But yeah, what do you think? And there's also, I think there's a Fraser reboot. Yes, um, they're doing a Flashdance series, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, I think it's called. And count me as somebody that I really liked Picard. I thought Star Trek Picard was this perfect blend of nostalgia and emotion. And it hit me right in the heart the way it was supposed to. And, you know, it, Patrick Stewart was just out of control good in that show. Um, and I think Star Trek Discovery is this cool blend of J.J. Abrams and old school Star Trek. It kind of turns it on its head. So if they can do things like that. Plus, you know, Quiet Place 2 and Top Gun and Mission Impossible. You'll get some of those releases there. Yeah, you, you might turn me, especially if I were to get rid of one of the others. Um, I, I got to be honest, right now, no. I, I mean, I can't say that none of this stuff looks bad because that's not the truth. None of this stuff looks bad. N none of what you just said looks like crap. It's just right now, it, it's it's not enough to turn me. So... But that could change. Remember how I just told you a few months ago, HBO Max would have been way towards the bottom of my rankings. And now here we are talking about how it's one of my favorites. And I've probably, I've probably been into HBO Max just as much as Disney and Netflix over the last two months as I had at any other point. So I've been watching those services more. HBO Max has just crawled right up the rankings in the number of times that I've turned it on. Whereas before I had it on my phone and I never did anything with it. Now I'm opening it up and I'm constantly pushing it to Chromecast and getting it streamed to my TV. So this could change, especially as I see more. It's just right now I'm kind of, eh. but I, there, there's got, I mean, like you dude, you just mentioned Halo. Halo is a huge IP, mm -hmm. massive IP. There's got to be people out there really mm -hmm. pumped to see this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, Brandon, you already have the service. So I, I mean, uh, coming soon means something different to you than for us. For us, it's, Coming soon, is it gonna, you know, pull us in? For you, it's it's are you what you're looking forward to on, on the service that you already have? Well, I mean, as far as the Yellowstone stuff goes, I've I've never been into Yellowstone, but I Taylor Sheridan is great. So that that does make me want to watch whatever he's working on. Uh the big one for me, and I sadly enough, I kind of even forgot about it, but I'm a massive Halo fan. Halo is my Star Wars. Um, if you go in my nerd room, which I'm single, so my whole house is a nerd room, I have so much Halo shit. I've got five or six consoles. I've got all the books, all the games. I've got every steelbook ever made, every controller. Halo is my shit. Uh, so I, I forgot when I saw it was coming, I was like, dude, that makes having Paramount Plus worth it. Um, it keep, kind of keeps getting pushed back, so hopefully it actually uh, it, it's happening at this point. Um, I hope that there's a, a quality element that kind of is missing from their their other live action stuff, which I have enjoyed for Halo. Mm -hmm. um, but this needs to be big. This needs to mm -hmm. bring in new audiences. This has to please the gamers. Um, this kind of has to please everybody. And I have high hopes for it. I mean, Showtime isn't a slouch. They they don't put out bad stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so they they wouldn't have signed up to do it if if they were like, yeah, we'll just half ass this to get some subscribers. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, that's a big one. Star Trek. Uh, I'm interested now that I have the service. I, I kind of want to watch Discovery and see what that was like. I liked the first episode of Picard uh, when they aired it for free on YouTube. So, the, I mean, there's stuff to watch. Now they're doing Star Trek. It's a very Trek beautiful cartoon. show, man. I got it. I got yeah. I didn't mean Yeah, it's a beautiful show. Yeah, I mean, the, so the quality is there visually. If it looks like it fits into a cinematic universe and doesn't look like a like a sci-fi channel miniseries or i mean even their miniseries aren't bad but as long as it doesn't look like sharknado then <laughs> that that's a plus um but yeah so i mean halo was my big excitement for it and obviously beavis and butthead bring it on <laughs> oh and they need to put jackass on there and then jackass 4 will be out this year so. will be yeah <laughs> um I mean, I'm going to I'm going to back you up on that. Like Halo, I say Halo and Mass Effect are my Star Wars in terms of like intergalactic, like space, like wander, and they're my Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, I, I I'm very excited about that, and I think that alone can be a Mandalorian type draw for people. Honestly, like I. I don't understand. I think I understand why um, HBO didn't jump on it. It's because it was HBO was led by Richard Pepler, and the sensibilities of HBO. Think about HBO. HBO was not thinking about like young men, you know. So to them, although we all know that gamers, you know, are basically like across all ages, you know, at least maybe to like fifties, sixties, that generation below have been into games like all their lives but hbo was you know more into like fantasy stuff and um you know adult dramas and they weren't thinking about the hbo property as something that would appeal to to you know their core demographic which is to be honest middle-aged to young men uh, white males. So um, that's why they might, they didn't go very I think they might not have gone very hard on it. And then we just came into the age where these IPs are like are like gold dust, where it's an arms race and you need to have these. If Halo was up for grabs now, I can see it being more of something that they would have been, you know, quick to hop on. Um, but something that I heard was that one of the reasons why a lot of big studios didn't didn't hop on it was because Microsoft wanted the bulk of creative control. And I can see why HBO would have passed upon it because for someone like Richard Pepler, if you've ever heard him speak, they were very they're very uh they curate they curate their content so finely in terms of who are the people who are going to craft it? They don't want anybody making anything that's going to make the HBO brand look, you know, less than. So you may come and say, oh, so we have these directors, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, nah, these directors aren't up to snuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we have these colorists or this VFX house or these editors. And, you know, for HBO, there's a standard, a particular standard. And what the what Microsoft wanted was creative control like we're going to make it and we're going to give it to you you're just going to distribute and so a lot of the big studios were like nah sorry 
not going to be able to do it. But um, HBO, I, I mean, not HBO, Halo is the only one that uh, is appealing to me. And just like Brandon, I hope, against all hope, that this is given elite treatment. I want it to have, not look like The Mandalorian, but have a cinematic quality to it. Um, and uh, I just, uh, my fingers are crossed. This can be very big and I'm excited about it. But that's the only thing that I'm looking forward to on Paramount Plus, honestly, which is a shame and which is a problem that they're going to have to tackle. Um, so uh, with that being said, that's a, a really good sort of, you know, wrap up of all the things that were on there, all the things that are going to be coming on there. Um, so let's end this with like a plus and minus. So guys, I want to hear what your number one best thing that you like about Paramount Plus is. You can't pick two. It has to be one. And then what's the one thing that you think that they're lacking in? So um, Christian, let's start with you. Pick one thing that you think is great about it and one thing that you think they need to improve on or is not so good. That they, to me right now, are the first streaming service that really has decided to go head first into streaming sports. Give me live, you know, do live sports. I think that's, right. to me, that's their, that's the big number one. That That's a huge innovative thing for them to do. And what's one thing that you think that they don't have right? The biggest thing or the biggest impediment? To me, I would say, I could be canceled for this maybe. I think that they, it seems like they've gone really hard on nostalgia content. Mm-hmm. Um you know, their current library is, you know, Blue Bloods, Brady Bunch, Cheers, blah, blah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because that's their legacy content. But even a lot of their newer stuff that they say is coming down the pike, it's a Frasier reboot, Flashdance continuation. It's just very nostalgia. That That's mm-hmm. what I see so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you because, I mean, we say this and we'll keep on, you know, nailing it home. It's not about, for the streaming wars, it's not about what you already have and nostalgia. That's going to keep people on. But what's going to bring people to your service is new stuff. So you're, you're, you're 100% right. Um, so, uh, Brandon, for you, uh, somebody who has the service already and is exploring it, is excited about having this snazzy new toy, what is the one thing that you think is the best thing about Paramount Plus? And what's the one thing that you think, you know, you guys need to do that better that was a mistake uh so i'm gonna go just two things uh, for the things i think they did right is um having 4k available on day one uh and the potential of, of live sports so i haven't seen any live sports on there as of yet um but that's always been kind of the big stickler for a lot of people is just i i want i don't want cable but i want to be able to watch my football games uh in the winter months, obviously. Um, so that's always just kind of been the, the thing there um, with, I, I guess, special mention to the, the theatrical releases available 45 days after release date. Um, I think it's, is pretty, pretty awesome too. Um, and then something I think that they could do better, like Christian said, it, it's just, they're like anybody else. They, they launched with all of their old content. And they're hoping that you want to hop in there and and watch a lot of uh, stuff that you grew up watching, and it, it's 
we're all kind of stretched kind of thin as it is. So I'd rather focus on things I haven't watched than going back and watching, uh, you know, cartoons I grew up with or old shows I grew up with and maybe removing some of that, uh, that nostalgia and realizing that it's not that good anymore. Some things just should be left in the past. Uh, but you know, that, that doesn't mean new people can't discover it and like it. Hmm. Hmm. Very true. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it's quite simple. The one thing that I think that they, they nailed is the, you know, the price. I think the pricing is, is unbeatable. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, having tears is, it makes that even, even a lot better. And then that, um, that promo that they had before they launched they really should have should have uh had that going for a little for a little while longer um value proposition even if you're not so hot on what they have or what's coming is it will at least get you to try um then for something that they are not doing so so well i think you guys have pretty much you know nailed the the main the main things um I think that for me, it's that for a service that's leaning into nostalgia and their their content library and, and that sort of thing, they're missing some of their heaviest hitters. For example, like Yellowstone, I think that Yellowstone is the number one uh, sort of like new like series on broadcast television on like, you know, your regular like tv um and it's not on paramount plus like the the first season of yellowstone it will be when the their licensing deal with peacock is over also they own the big bang theory the big bang theory is actually on hbo max also they own two and a half men it's not on paramount plus it's on peacock they own south park south park is on hbo max you know so these are things that you know arrows in their quiver that they need to have but i mean licensing is out of their hands right they would have had to pay such a prohibitive fee to the license carriers that it would have been too much of a loss um or they would have had to wait until those deals were out which is not smart either way so they kind of fell into that no man's land that hbo max you know has fallen into where you know some of their things are, are held by other places some of the international uh, deals are are held by other places, etc., etc. So that's the the biggest sort of surprise to me. That I was like, wow, that did not work in your favor. But it's it's no fault of theirs. Okay, so that's our discussion on Paramount Plus. Just a little miscellaneous information in terms of movies um, and what will be coming to them. Unlike HBO Max, who are doing a day and date, they're doing this sort of a um, is this 17 days, I think? Uh, no, 45 days. I apologize. So it's 45 days instead of the normal 90 days to come to to streaming service, 60 to 90 days. So in 45 days after a movie hits the theaters, it will be available for free on Paramount+. Plus. And that includes movies like uh, Mission Impossible 7, um, which I'm a massive fan of. But for me, that's not enough to get me on the service. So, um, so yeah, uh, 
you know, we'll keep on talking about the streaming wars. We're going to make sure that you guys are the most informed when it comes to decisions, when it comes to where all these streaming services um, rank and, and everything going on. So no news out there is going to hit you out of left field. Um, and now let's go to our coming soon section. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these. And uh, we have quite a few to talk about today. And we'll we'll quickly go over them. We're going to give you our reactions. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Shadow and Bone. And Shadow and Bone is based on this, you know, worldwide best-selling YA novels. It's called the Grishaverse. And it's, you know, situated in a war-torn world where a lowly soldier and orphan named Alina Starkov has just unleashed an extraordinary power that could be the key to setting her country free. And so this power is that, you know, she's able to somehow commandeer sunlight. And there is this black sort of um, shadow that is that has beasts in it and that light, you know, helps with it. So it's, it's this sort of, you know, fantasy YA novel. And but it's it's really, really, really massive. And it's going to be on Netflix um, and it's going to debut on the 23rd of April, which is not too far out. We just got about two months to see it. So you guys, um, they debuted a trailer on IGN FanFest. Um, you guys know my gripes with Netflix. I don't think they do good quality with stuff. I think that their fantasy stuff is really weak. Even The Witcher, for me, was up and down. I'd say it's better than most of the stuff that they put out there, but it's up and down. But um, after seeing stuff like... Um, warrior nuns my my eyes, <laughs> my eyes I, i'm good with netflix fantasy stuff so uh let's start with christian what was your reaction to the trailer for shadow and bone it's like fantasy stuff especially mixing mixing fantasy with like history and like pretending you know alternate takes on stuff is like right up my alley i love that <laughs> stuff and but i'm with you dude like i'm just i'm done with with certain things you know i, I i've crapped on netflix what five times in this episode and then I go off and watch this trailer, and I'm like, "God damn it! Like, it looks good. Like, it it looks lush and lavish, and the music was good, and the special effects didn't look like crap. And okay, look, it looks digital. Yes, um, we've had that conversation numerous mm -hmm. times, but it looks bigger than it should. I I'm agree not, with you, dude. Right? Like, like not to spoil my reaction, but I kind of set it up that way in case you understand <laughs> storytelling. Uh, but dude, I'm a hundred percent with you. Go ahead. Yeah, just, and I won't go much longer, but like, I'm not going to pretend like I've read the Grisha trilogy or anything. I haven't. But, you know, everything they're talking about, like, she's taking part in a, a, an elite army of magical soldiers, and then you have the shadowy fold with magic, and then, like, the very end of the trailer, like, he's like, I'm going to show you something, and then, like, you see, like, the shadows coming around the side. It just looks epic, and I don't know. This definitely looks a little different than I was expecting because, to be mm -hmm. honest, Lupe, I went into it and I was like, "Ho hum, another fantasy." You know, there we go. I'm going to be let down, and the trailer didn't let me down. So the show might, but I'm happy it's a show and not a movie because they can really go into this a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping for something good here. But th this, um, yeah, I was impressed by this trailer. That's my yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Brandon. Uh, yeah, uh, same. I was pretty impressed by it. I knew I knew nothing about the novel. I'd never heard about it before, and. The trailer hooked me. It, you, know, you kind of do get burnt out on some of this young adult uh, stuff that they've tried over and over and over to get to stick. Um, but it 
Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of what I'm watching on HBO Max right now is uh, his Dark Materials. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really great young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually really enjoyed the Mortal Engines uh, movie that was advertised as a Peter Jackson movie, but wasn't. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. It had a little bit of the steampunk feel and a little bit of magic in it. It, it kind of gave me those kinds of vibes. Well, I mean, Netflix with fantasy, Dark Crystal is an absolute masterpiece. Um, so they can do it. They they just have to have the respect and love and care for it uh, that they did with Dark Crystal because Dark Crystal is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and not enough people watched it, unfortunately. So Yeah, I mean, Dark Crystal wasn't bad, but don't forget, Dark Crystal was puppets. So it's a well, different... Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, it's I'm, absolutely I'm not, different, I'm not... but... Yeah, I, I'm not hating. I'm not. I'm not no, hating. It was, it was, was the popular. storytelling, the world building, the visual effects. It was treated with a level of respect that respect. I didn't expect out of a puppet show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I wasn't expecting it, and there was just uh, Louis Leterrier just put tons of passion into that, I, I, um, I, and I, you I, could tell. I I agree, but for me, the the jury has still always been out on Netflix in terms of live action fantasy. Live yeah. action fantasy, like for example, they've done animated fantasy very well. They've done puppets, like animated fantasy. And when I'm talking about that, for example, the Guillermo del Toro troll. What was it? There was a series that he did that was troll actually like, wasn't it? yeah, someone like that. Like it was actually like very good. Um, as you said. I haven't seen all of it, but a lot of people did did uh, did have vouched for the Dark Crystal, and the little bit I've seen of it, it was well made. The story's just not my thing. Um, and then if you look at cartoons like Castle uh, Castlevania, like really, really, really good. But when it comes to live action, they have been trash. And I thought that this was going to be another you know, just disposable material. But people, I'm telling you, just from the looks, it looks like something that you'd see on, like, Disney+, Plus, Apple TV, HBO. Like, it looks cinematic. Like, the color grading. It has really good actors acting well in it. The costumes, the sets, cinematography, um, everything looks... It does not look like a Netflix show. It doesn't. I say that in the best ways possible. And uh, I think that this can be a very big hit for them because the fan base for this is massive. And you might be like, what? The fan base is... I'm talking about a fan base that's ri- that rivals like DC stuff. And I mean, it, n- almost nothing will rival like DC, Marvel, Star Wars. But in terms of like why it's like, you know, like... You know, it's it's pretty much up there, almost like you know how you had like that Twilight wave, how you had uh, the the one with Jennifer Lawrence. What was that? Why am I Hunger forgetting? Games. Hunger Games. The Hunger, Hunger Games, Games exactly. It's great. It's that like there a lot. So um, uh, Netflix had said that they were looking for a franchise. They want a a Star Wars or a Star Trek or life. a DC life. or a Marvel. They mm-hmm. want something that they can that they can really carry. And draw people in year after year because Stranger Things is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, so if this is it, you better show up the first season because yeah, yeah, that's that might be the only shot you get because that's <laughs> like it's an expensive show. You know, like 
Netflix doesn't care. They, they will cancel it in a heartbeat if people don't show. But but people will because the, the fandom for this is no joke. This is not like the fandom alone can can make this a success. Like I'm telling you, like this fandom is massive. Okay. Um like just to put it in context with the Snyder Cup fandom, we know the Snyder Cup fandom is just like some kind of like weird phenomenon to the point where people <laughs> don't believe that the fandom is real. Um, when IGN FanFest was first uh, announced, um, the Shadow and Bone fans descended on IGN FanFest and they were blowing uh, the Snyder Cuts out of the water in terms of like mentions and, you know, it was about five times. But then once the Snyder Cup fandom decided to rally, of course, you know how it goes. Um, but but let's let's move on to our next trailer. And um, this one is also a Netflix streaming original. It's called Thunder Force, and this one is a superhero, uh original superhero material. It seems like Netflix is leaning into original superhero content, trying to, you know, find their own content because obviously all the legacy stuff is is with is with uh, Marvel, DC, etc. So uh, this war, this the synopsis in a world terrorized by supervillains. One woman, played by Olivia Spencer, has developed the process to give superpowers to regular people. But when uh, her friend, played by Melissa McCarthy, uh, accidentally imbues is imbued with these incredible uh, abilities, the two women must become the first superhero team. It's scheduled for release on the 9th of April, so that's not very far away. Um, it's directed by Ben Falcone. What do you guys think of the trailer for Thunder Force? Um, all right, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll start. We'll give Brandon the next one uh, he's referred to start. Um, so I guess the, Ben is Melissa McCarthy's husband, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. she, he's directed Bridesmaids, The Heat. I think he did Spy, which was funny. Uh, Tammy. I, I like Melissa McCarthy. I'm starting to be done. <laughs> like, I, I'm just done. And she does the same comedy over and over and over. Um, so I'm just starting to kind of like be finished with it. And I got about halfway through the trailer and I like Octavia Spencer. I think she's great. She's been great in so many things. And I can th I think she could be funny as well. Look, the thing looks good. Special effects look good. The part at the end when she chucks the bus, there's a couple of quick scenes where it looks like she's changing and she's getting the superhuman abilities and then they're going invisible. It just like, it kind of felt like they were using kind of some of the tried and true comedy tropes that we've come to expect from Melissa McCarthy and this team. And that's my only problem. It, it's one of those things that looks really good but I feel like I've seen it before and I feel like I've seen a lot of her comedies already before. So I don't want to sit here and just crap on it, but this is probably one, like if I missed it, it's okay that I missed it. I, I can't, like, I can't get myself really excited about this thing. I just, I was not, I, I didn't more than smile a couple times at the trailer and I, and I really want to kind of laugh out loud, but I, I really couldn't. So I, I hate to be a, a downer on this one, but this one really didn't leave a very lasting impression on me. And I don't think I want to watch it. I'm kind of, eh. So I apologize. I don't mean to be a downer on this one, guys. No, no, no. Um, so, uh, Brandon, your honest, most film exile take out there. Um, yeah, give it to us. Shoot straight. Fuck Melissa McCarthy. I can't. Stand. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going to lie. I wouldn't even watch the trailer because I can't stand her. She is the same 
screaming, annoying person in every single movie, and I have zero interest in giving this a second of my time. Fuck Melissa McCarthy. You made me feel better. Jesus, <laughs> damn. <laughs> okay. I, I, I cannot mean, stand I anything with her in it. I said it was a film exile seeker. You just you chose violence. Okay, all right. I, there's nothing violent in that. There, there was the just visceral. I, I cannot. I will not watch anything with her because she is annoying to no end. It's annoying. Um, it's just no, no, okay. no, okay. no. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll I'll claim your time. Um, for me. This is everything that we hated a Netflix for. So we've, we've crapped on Netflix quite a bit during this show. This is emblematic of that. Throwing shit up against the wall and seeing if it sticks. I know we've... Uh-oh. We've, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm going to have to pay you know copyright fee to <laughs> Christian for that. I'm and I know sure. that that also has been attached to HBO Max. But Netflix just, it just looks generic. The filmmaking the doesn't look handcuff. good. The cinematography doesn't look good. The story doesn't look good. It's just it, like next to generic in the dictionary, that's where this should come in. The costumes don't look good. Nothing about this looks exciting. And this is one of those things that I see that makes me, it chills me to my bone for the superhero genre. If Netflix starts putting a bunch of stuff out like this, this is how the superhero genre dies and perishes. When people are just really trying to, you know, jump on the bandwagon so much that they just make a bunch of low quality cash grabs. Um, This has no soul, has no reason to exist apart from one thing. It's not usual to see two, you know, middle-aged women who are not the uh who are not in you know the most fantastical ideal you know physical shape they don't have like bulging muscles and you know our 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 society's ideal of you know the perfection physically which is good for a superhero trope so and then you know also a black lady a white lady which is i guess a trope of buddy cop movies as well but just that alone is the only thing in the entire thing that is noteworthy and it's just not enough um so that's that's my instant reaction to it um it seems like a buddy cop comedy of errors um yeah okay (laughs) let's just let's just move on um so next up (laughs) we're going to another streaming and streaming is just streaming is dominating you know, companies are not just doubling down, they're tripling down, quadrupling down. And so we have a a series from HBO Max. It's based on a 2017 novel. It's called Made for Love. And um, it's about a woman who escapes her marriage and then comes to discover that her husband had fitted a high-tech tracking chip into her brain. Um, it stars Christine Melotti as Hazel Green Gagal or whatever. Um, it's going to have eight episodes. Uh, it's going to be on HBO Max. Um, what do you guys think of Made for Love, the Max original? Let's start with Brandon. Uh, meh. Eh, it doesn't look like my thing. Uh, 
It looks like a, a high budget Lifetime Channel movie where the the guy puts a chip on the on the chick's brain. He's the villain. Whatever. I'm, I don't. I don't. I just didn't think it looked very good. I yield my time. <laughs> okay. Well, that's... it just doesn't look that exciting. All right. Me. Back. Back. Back to the studio, Joe. <laughs> um, Christian, what about you? I, you know, the funny thing is, I'm kind of somewhere in the same camp there. It, it's it's just quirky enough to spark my interest because it's definitely quirky. Um, and I like the fact that, you know, it's not one and done and, and there it's it's more of a series. Because sometimes if you're going to do something that's this strange, I like the fact that it's a series um, instead of it, you know, just being just a quick movie, two hours and, and it's over. And there were a couple of moments in here that did make me kind of, kind of, you know, smile and, and get, get a little chuckle going and stuff like that. The music was a little off it. And like Brandon said, he alluded to it. Like it, the budget doesn't look tiny. It, it looks like they spent a couple of bucks on it to make it look good, but I'm with him on this. I don't, I don't know if I'm into it. Like I said, it's just quirky enough to pique my interest, <laughs> but is this something that full stop? I want to make sure I either binge or I watch every single week. Yeah. Although I did like the little rendition of uh, Beyonce's "Crazy in Love." That was mm-hmm. that was interesting. <laughs> that was interesting during the trailer. Uh, that was entertaining, and I think that kind of lended to the quirkiness of it. But um, I wonder how long quirkiness can carry a series. That's the only mm-hmm. thing. You know, how far can that go? If you're mm-hmm. carrying that over, there's got to be some kind of mystery or something like that. And it didn't seem that way. It just seemed like they were kind of playing it up to be weird. Um, to me, you know what it looks like. Now, this might be reductive. Might might be your brain is stuck on stupid. Um, (laughs) it reminds me, in a way, of Wandavision. Hmm. I haven't seen Wandavision, so I can only talk about it from the perspective of someone who saw trailers for Wandavision and just has had an idea of what I expected it to be in terms of quirkiness having a sitcom feel to it. There is something weird going on beneath the surface, right? Um, but I haven't seen One Division, so obviously I can't, I can't, I can't tell. And then having like a charming lead, um, the actress who's in this, she's been in a bunch of these sort of like rom-com, quirky comedies. She has a really like good personality and good charisma for that type of thing. Also the lead in this, he was in that movie, Game Night. Yeah. <laughs> And he was fantastic in it. Yeah, actually, he was. <laughs> so, so I'm not opposed to spending some time with him. Um, he plays a really good, like, almost like a, a a a frat boy who never grew up, kind of dumb kind of guy, and he does it very, very, very well. For this, um, there there is so much that surrounds in terms of where my brain is going. One, the quality is good. So this is the type of thing that Netflix makes, but Netflix makes and it looks really cheap and it looks so low budget and there's just no crap put into it that you don't even, it just blends into all the stuff they have. This is basically, if you if you see this trailer and, and watch it, it's, it's really a cool trailer. It's This is HBO Max's look. If you've seen HBO Max original, like, some of their, I would say, like their generic originals, like for example, Lockdown, which came out earlier this year, which had Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel Ejiofor. This is like pretty much what it looks like. It's shot digitally, but it's edited in post to have this soft focus and a little bit of grain to look like it's shot on film. Um, there's a little bit of quirkiness to it. Um, so I, I, I prefer 
the look of this to Netflix's original, which have this very glossy, uh, cheap, digital, over-processed look to it. Um, then also, I like the fact that I like the fact that while I do want them to expand their originals, this is like we know that net that HBO Max has been targeting a female audience. So while this is not targeting me specifically, like on the bullseye, I can see myself enjoying it as a sort of like peripheral, another quadrant of the audience. Um, but this just goes back to, you know, our discussions about, you know, the, the demographic that HBO Max was trying to target. I right. think that they can get quite a few, you know, subscribers um, from from this from this sort of material. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's just it's a good thing for them to have. But I think HBO Max they need to ramp up their originals. They need to speed it up like this. Dropping one HBO Max original every 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 ten years is not going to cut it. Um, <laughs> their, their last real true original was in January with lockdown or original this and Netflix has like one every week, sometimes multiple every week, although we know that the quality tends to not be good. But um yeah it'll be interesting to see I'm gonna watch it. Definitely I'm definitely gonna watch it. So you guys you'll you'll hear about it from me. Um so there I claimed Brandon's time. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh the next thing on, on the docket. Quite a few Trailers, Mortal Kombat is the next one. And this one is interesting because it's also an HBO Max, but it was a theatrical release, which falls into that hybrid release strategy that they're doing for 2021. And um, everybody knows Mortal Kombat. If you don't, have you been living under a rock? Where you been? Where you been <laughs> all your life? Um, so it's, you know, about the Mortal Kombat tournament in Outworld in which, you know, some humans are invited, led by Lord Raiden, and there's a host of characters. So, yeah, let's just dive into it. What do you guys think of of the trailer for Mortal Kombat? Let's start with Christian. So, the, uh, I guess the good, bad, and the ugly for Mortal Kombat? Uh, number one, it's really awesome that we're getting this on streaming. Uh, which I think is great. And you, you know, we've all talked about, it. I love Mortal Kombat, love the games, love all, even when Mortal Kombat is crappy, I still like Mortal Kombat. I can't help it. So like the good um, looks brutal. Uh, if you checked out the red band version of the trailer, it was violent and that's fantastic. I think that's, we want our Mortal Kombat violent. <laughs> that's what we want. Uh, Mortal Kombat Scorpion Revenge was a lot of fun because it went into like the bone breaking from the video games and everything, the x-ray vision. And I thought that was really cool. So I, I like the it. fact that, oh, it was awesome. I, I love the fact that it seems like they're doubling down on that. Some of the performers in here are actors that we know, and it's good to see them in here. And, you know, some of the martial arts action, looked pretty good. It didn't look like it was second rate. Um, you know, the, the little bits that we got a Scorpion, the little bits that we got a Sub-Zero. Th this, it looks like the production value is decent, right? We're not looking at like a B or C level movie. It looks like a little bit of care was taken here. But, and this is the but, I don't know if you guys felt this way too, but like some of the dialogue, cheesy as hell, 
Like, just cheesy as hell. Some of the stuff that was going on, I kind of rolled my eyes. Who's Cole Young? It's fine if they want to re- if they want to give us a brand new character. That's okay. Um, but the actor didn't really do it for me, for Cole. Uh, it just seems like in some of the stuff that we got in the trailer, people were just kind of going through the motions. Just going through the motions. Like, just so you know, we're making a Mortal Kombat movie, and it's going to be great. You know, so, like, um, it, it, it didn't cross any really new territory. Um, except that it's going to be Mortal Kombat and it's going to be hyper-violent and it's going to have really cool martial arts action. Now, maybe at the end of the day, that's all we really care about. But I kind of wanted to see something a little new and it didn't really do that, but it whet my appetite. Um, I want to try to ignore the other stuff that we've learned about the movie, so I just want to focus on just the trailer. And if we're just focusing on the trailer, that probably would have been enough to just whet my appetite. It's the other stuff that we're learning that I've kind of been like, now when I put that together with the trailer, it's like, ugh. You know, so I think that's that's part of the problem. But overall, the trailer wasn't so bad. Give me some gore. Give me some martial arts. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Brandon. Uh, you know, it's kind of along the same lines. Uh, it, it, it I thought it actually looked pretty good, uh, better than I actually was kind of expecting it to. You think of Mortal Kombat and you think of the last two movies, mm-hmm. uh, which are I mean, fam- the second one is famously bad. <laughs> um, the first one was was decent for the time. It, it probably had be- it was better than it had any rights to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but this does look definitely more modern. Looks like there's some care in the action scenes. Um, they they put a lot of, of Asian actors in in Asian roles, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and the you know, visual effects look nice. It looks brutal. Uh, watching Jax's arms get frozen off was I even I winced at that. Like wow, that's pretty fucking brutal. Um, all in all, it made me want to watch the movie. And if there's one thing a trailer is supposed to do, it succeeded. So I'm going to watch it. I, I'm, I've become a little bit more cautious off of a, a couple of things we've heard recently, mm-hmm. but I'm still on that realm of, I'm going to watch it opening weekend. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, anyone who knows me knows huge Mortal Kombat fan. have been looking forward to this for so many years, been on Warner Brothers' case, like, come on, make a Mortal Kombat movie. What is stopping you? <laughs> you know, been yelling to the skies, like, you know, the old man yelling to the clouds. Um, I, maybe my expectations were too high, but I'm a bit disappointed. I won't, be, I won't, I won't lie. Um, there, there's a lot of things that I've heard following that that have sort of cemented that, a lot of my suspicions. So, for one... The action looks great. The martial arts, the combat looks fantastic, and I don't think they're going to slack at all. But it looks, it doesn't look. The budget doesn't look good enough, and I think that they're leaning too much into the '90s formula of, oh, it's just a low budget thing with um, low budget, like not good actors, you know, that sort of thing, and it's just going to lean on sort of the fan service, the nostalgia of it. And, you know, we'll just be able to get away with putting something out there that, you know, that isn't like the best quality. I think the the way to sum it up best of all is that it doesn't look like it elevates the material. I think that no matter how anyone feels about it, like, oh, no, I enjoyed it. Like, that can't be denied. It doesn't look like it elevates the material. Um, in an article, they said that the movie creators 
went to James Wan and said, you know, how are we going to, what's the tone? What's the style going to be? And they said there are two options. One option was, you know, there was this, you know, very gritty, dark, uh, serious series that was on Netflix. Um, it had Michael Jai White starring as Jax in it. But um, they said, no, we're not going to do that, that they were going to make it like Marvel. And Marvel became their North Star. Like they made their decisions thinking, what would Marvel do? So they made it brighter, made it more colorful. And that just, you could see that in the trailer. Now, this is a property that's supposed to be like dark. And like when Mortal Kombat came out in the 90s, like it was, it was hip hop. It was punk rock. It was anti, you know, mainstream, you know, S uh, Street Fighter, which I enjoyed, trust me. Uh, my record for doing shurikens is some is in the nineties, um, <laughs> but um, it's Mortal Kombat is supposed to be anti anti mainstream. It's supposed to cross the culture at a perpendicular angle and just ram right into it and shake people to their core. And this looks very mainstream to me. Um, looks very safe to me and that kind of turned me off a little bit so it's been falling down in my most anticipated uh rankings so um yeah it's crazy that the person who's been anticipating it the most seems to be the person who's least disappointed in it uh, that's the way the world goes okay all right so um the final trailer we're going to talk about comes to us from uh, amazon prime um and this one is called Without Remorse. It's going to launch on the streaming service on 30th of April. It stars Michael B. Jordan. It's based on the 1993 Tom Clancy uh, novel and centers around a U.S. Navy SEAL who, after uncovering an international conspiracy while seeking justice for the murder of his pregnant wife by Russian soldiers, joins forces with a fellow SEAL and shadowy CIA officer, and they expose a covert plot that threatens to, you know, engulf the U.S. and Russia in all-out war. Um, so, guys, what do you think of the trailer for Without Remorse, starring Michael B. Jordan? Uh, I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, the Tom Clancy stuff can be a little formulaic, but it's usually at least interesting. Um, if if well-written and well-edited. Uh, to where all the plot points come across properly if you're trying to set up conspiracies and things like that. Um, so, I, I, you know, Michael B. Jordan's a great actor. Uh, so he's he's one that, you know, gets me excited to watch something like that. This is a little bit different role for, for him. Um, so it's good to see him out there trying different things. Uh, so I have, I have high hopes for it. I can't say too much more than that, but it, it looked quite entertaining, quite good. Um, so I'm in. Okay. And Christian. When we do our trailer rankings, probably at the end, I'm, I'm think I'm going to have this one and uh, the, the other one uh, for, Oh God, why did I forget the name already? But the one, <laughs> the one on Netflix, uh, shadow and bone. I really like this trailer. I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Clancy's stuff. I've read a lot of his novels, Hunt for Red October, Patriot games. Um, there's so many that you can go down the list. And I know Harrison Ford kind of had, you know, that and clear and present danger kind of cornered for a while. Even Ben Affleck uh, did a, a Jack Ryan one. And I mm -hmm. think that's like most of like 
the public is into like the Jack Ryan stuff, but there's so much more, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to get into the politics of Clancy, which can be ex- sometimes very right wing and everything. His books are deep. He talks about the two sides of government, a lot of conspiracy theory stuff. Sometimes you have to do things that you're not proud of in order to get something done. And I like that. I like that about this trailer. There was a couple of quick moments in here, especially in the world that we're living in now, where they were like, you know what, maybe we need a guy like this. And he's blowing people, like going after the terrorists on his own, taking it on their own, you know, their ground. Yeah, there's a lot of like action movie, action star kind of stuff in there that we could say is movie trope. But I just felt that it was done very well. And the more I watch Michael B. Jordan, the more I like him. The more I feel like he brings a lot to the characters. He's passionate. Um, He's really good in the two Creed movies. I felt him to be fantastic in both of those. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this is, and I'm, this is, you know, we were just, we've been talking about streaming this whole time and it, it's on Amazon prime and you know, Amazon prime needs to up their content. So perfect. This this was I think this was a good purchase for them, and they seem to be positioning themselves as the home for Tom Clancy, right? Because they already got the John Krasinski series going. So mm-hmm. this is up my alley. This is the kind of movie you know me. I'm my my most anticipated movie was Bond this year. Um, so this is definitely right up my alley, and I really liked the way this looked. I didn't feel that they doubled down on too much. It was the right mix: good action, good suspense. I'm in. I want to watch this. This is definitely a first weekend watch for me. Yeah. Um, hmm. For me, yeah, it's if it does have that feel of like you know those '90s you know action thrillers. A little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So so let let's see if they can elevate it and modernize it because these days audiences don't just want a straight you know straight even though like conspiracy gives you the sense that there's something more going on but usually it's just something basic it's just like oh a guy who they trusted was in government is you know the way these stories go it's like we've seen so many of them that we see him coming oh, okay so the guy who was your superior actually you know doesn't believe in the american system anymore so you know like <laughs> if the movie ends up being like that i would not be surprised so they have to modernize it because if you look at stuff like I always point to Mission Impossible Fallout, so 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 brilliant of how you do a modern, you know, spy espionage thriller involving like you know CIA and MI6 and you know, splinter cells and you know, so um, they'll they'll have to update it because if it's just a basic shoot 'em up, I will not be impressed. I honestly will not be impressed. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. It looked okay to me, but it just looked like. A really cool actor, Michael B. Jordan. He's a star. He's really good. Good action hero in a 90s style movie. So, you know, so we'll see. So, guys, we had, um, wow, we, we had, what, five trailers, I think? Five? So, without remorse, we had Mortal Kombat. We had Made for Love. We had Thunder Force. And we had Shadow and Bone. Guys, I want to know. What's your the one that made the biggest impact on you, and what's your favorite, and what's your least favorite? So let's start with Brandon. Which trailer had the most impact? Got you from zero to whatever level of anticipation you you are at, and then what's uh, your favorite, and then your least favorite? Uh, I'm gonna go with probably Shadow and Bone as my number one, just because 
I knew nothing about it, and it got me to the point where I thought it looked really good, and I, I'm interested to watch it. Um, a lot of the stuff in the middle was, okay, like Mortal Kombat. I, w- I was probably going to watch it anyway. It looked good. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to put that at the top. Um, and then, obviously, least favorite is whatever <laughs> that shit was with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, I yield my time. <laughs> Shouldn't even have asked. <laughs> no, rock bottom. If there was... 30 other trailers that came out. I don't care what they are. <laughs> Lifetime channel movies. Put those in there in the <laughs> Melissa McCarthy movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, Christian, your turn. Uh, most impactful would be Without Remorse, because that's a movie that I really didn't know much about, and the trailer made me want to see it, and now I'm going to stream it, and I want to watch it. So it's definitely most impactful. Favorite trailer would be Shadow and Bone. Mm. I did know about it, um, and I knew Netflix, the stories of them looking for their own franchise and everything. And man, I was really just, the trailer just kind of blew me away. I was not expecting it to look as good as it was. So it was my, easily my favorite trailer of the group. Mm -hmm. Least favorite is Thunder Force. I don't know what the, yeah, just, what else can we say about that shit? Brandon already (laughs) took it, man. (laughs) Fuck that movie. All right, for me, my most impactful Shadow and Bone, honestly, I can't I can't recommend you guys check out that trailer enough if you haven't. Um I'm definitely like gonna watch it on on Netflix and that's that's a rarity for me to be like, oh I'm gonna watch a YA series on Netflix. I, I run from those things like the plague. So that was actually like to me the best one, the the highest impact one. My favorite one is actually made for love. Yeah um quirky i love the the leads in it i just love their charisma uh i'm i would love to spend time with them the premise itself looks quite interesting i i I like that kind of you know sort of like there's a romance and then there's something going on it's a quirky world almost has a stepford wives feel to it like the 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 pristine reality is you know is splintering which is why i come uh, compared it to to WandaVision, although they're they're different, I know. Um, and then my least favorite, you know, I want to be different and be like, oh, you know, not groupthink, but it's consensus. Yeah, Thunder Force is, is pretty much trash. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much trash. And then the rest of them, um, they're, they're just in the middle. Like, you know, eh, I was going to watch them. I'll watch them. I'll give them a chance. And the trailers weren't too bad or too great or, you know. So, um, guys, let's hear in the comment section. Tell us, of these trailers, have you seen any of them? Let us know how you feel about them, which ones impressed you or didn't impress you. And let's continue with the conversation. All right, so that, that's it. Yeah, that's our episode for ENN for the day. It was a little bit of a long one, but I think that, you know, we went deep into Paramount+, Plus, which I'm very, very excited that we did. And then we tackled um, these trailers. So, guys, uh, let's say goodbye to our audience. We look forward to talking to them soon, obviously. If you guys um, want to say anything on the way out, feel free to. Apart from that, Christian, the floor is yours. <laughs> this was good, man. I'm, I'm happy we got a chance to. It's been too long. And so it was, it was good to get the episode in tonight. I'm glad I got a chance to talk with you guys. I'm starting to feel a little achy. <laughs> actually from the shot uh, so I think I think there are some side effects there but uh, I cannot stress this enough everybody if it comes to your area and you have the opportunity get the damn vaccine we need to get mm-hmm. out of it 
So mm. I am not regretting this in any way, shape, or form. I don't feel that bad. I just feel a little achy. I don't know what else mm. to say. So right. hit me up on Twitter and on Instagram. I want to talk with you. You can get me at the same place. It's at chart6363. Very cool. And Brandon? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore meatball underscore 84. I'll be on there talking shit on Melissa McCarthy for the next 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have been yours truly, the film exiles. My name is Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at live love Lupe. You can find me also on Vero at live love Lupe. We have enjoyed rolling with you through the cinematic wasteland and Mad Max style, you know, fury road vehicle running from, you know, our haters and just having fun. Uh, catch us on the next episode of uh, ENN. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Film Exiles. You can find us also on Vero at The Film Exiles. Please uh, subscribe to our, our channels, like this video, you know, spread it, tell people how cool we are so they can join you and share in the fun. And uh, stay safe, be cool, and whatever you do, remember, stay exiled.